As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Discussing the first coach firing of the season and two big running back injuries on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone, welcome to Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper on Tuesday, October 6th. DVR, safe to say that you and I are feeling a little bit better than Bill O'Brien is feeling on this Tuesday morning. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, Yeah, I think Bill O'Brien being let go by the Texans after an 0-4 start. It's not a huge surprise. I think he was a coach that probably entered the season on the hot seat despite you know, brushes in the postseason with maybe winning a game or two here or there, but I, I don't think there was anything more he was going to do. And I think his work as a GM was hurting him as a coach because he's not a very good GM. So if he gets another shot somewhere else, it's not going to be in the dual role, of course. And uh, it leaves us to wonder, is this team going to be rejuvenated by his departure? Are they going to fall apart without him? Are they going to be the same underachieving group they've been this entire time because it's still the same guys putting on the pads every Sunday. Uh, What do you think this does to this team the rest of the way? Uh, Really quick before we dive in there, I want to say that I want to see like a win probability graph, a win probability style graph, but instead of win probability for a certain game, it's Bill O'Brien's job security, starting with when they had the 14 or 21 point lead on the Chiefs in the playoffs last year to yesterday. I would love to see what that grab is. It just like a straight downward line, right? Like a huge drop when they traded DeAndre Hopkins and then just down, 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 down from there. It's got to be something like that. Someone should put that together and make a joke of it. I'm not going to do it. I would like to see someone else do it. I don't know if there's really going to be any major change for this team, right? I mean, maybe there was something toxic going on in the locker room, so they get a little bit of a jolt. Romeo Crennel takes over as the interim coach. Obviously, he's a guy with some real head coaching experience, a ton of defensive coordinator experience, so has a, a, lot, a history of commanding a room and of leading an entire unit an entire team so maybe there's a little bit of a jolt there but I'm not sure that their problems were all with the coaching staff I mean there is 
um, outside of Deshaun Watson, a, a lack of uh, a lack of athleticism, I think, with uh, with a lot of this team. And Will Fuller uh, had a nice game on Sunday, and we know what he can do when he's healthy. But it can't just be Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller, and it looks like that's how things are going for this offense. So I think you feel okay about those two guys, but the rest of the offense got to be concerned. And if you bought into David Johnson, I, I don't know how you have any confidence in him right now. Yeah, he has not looked good. The usage has been lighter than expected. Uh, and I think the the offense is missing DeAndre Hopkins. Even though Will Fuller has looked really good overall this season, played particularly well on Sunday, uh, the overall problem here is that when they need to go to somebody on third down, they don't have the guy they went to for all of Deshaun Watson's career prior <laughs> to this season. And you know, that's had a pretty big impact on the offense as a whole. I would imagine with Romeo Cornell being a more defensive coach that Tim Kelly as the offensive coordinator maybe has a larger say in the game plan week to week, right? How much of what we've seen so far from the Texans was Bill O'Brien? How much of that was Kelly? You know, I'm not really sure. Uh, so maybe there could be a couple of small adjustments there, but this is a bigger problem. This is a personnel problem. This is an uphill battle. I wonder if they're going to trade some players away with this start that they're on, right? Are they going to try and deal J.J. Watt to a contender or do anything like that to sort of tear down this roster on the fly this season? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, there's some redundancies in their wide receiver group, too, and they can't be feeling too great about uh, making a playoff run after starting the season 0-4. You've got a couple. You've got a 3 and one team in that division in uh, the uh, um, Indianapolis Colts. You've got a Tennessee Titans team that, of course, went to the AFC Championship game a season ago and is off to a very good start this year through three games. So uh, they are looking up at, uh, at a very hard road to make it into the postseason. So wouldn't be surprised to see them get active in the trade market over the next couple of weeks. Speaking of the Tennessee Titans... Finally, Monday was their first day in a week where they had no positive COVID-19 tests. So that is definitely good news. It's just good news, period, for the health of those players and staff and personnel in Houston. And good news as we look ahead to their Week 5 matchup with the Bills. Obviously, uh, the sooner the negative tests are flowing in, the better for getting this team back out on the field on Sunday. So the fact that they could start the week on Monday with no positive test is definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, let's talk about a couple of wide, or excuse me, running back injuries, Derek, that we talked about on Monday's show. These were injuries that happened on Sunday, and we knew these were going to be time-missing sort of injuries, but we were speculating on Monday's show how much time now we know after getting news on both Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler how much time it's going to be. Let's start with Nick Chubb. For him, it is an MCL injury. He is on IR. He is not going to miss the rest of the season. He will be back at some point, but the timetable on it is four to six weeks, and it does look more like a six-week sort of injury for Nick Chubb. There is a buy in there for Cleveland, so in a best-case scenario, Nick Chubb misses five games. Kareem Hunt, we know the story with him. If you have Kareem Hunt, this paid off in a big way for you because you've got yourself a locked-in RB1 for the remainder of the – or not the remainder of the season, but at least for the next five, six weeks while Nick Chubb is out. Dearness Johnson is maybe the interesting guy to talk about here. He is going to be claimed, and I think he should be claimed. I'm personally not going too crazy for him. I can share some of my reasons why. When you look at the uh, running back landscape, though, on waivers this week, Derek, where are you on Dearness Johnson? It's not a great week for running backs, even with the injuries, so he's probably second on my list, I think, at this point. Uh, we're talking about a probably 5 to 8% bid, nothing crazy, because I think Kareem Hunt's going to absorb a larger share of the workload. Oh, yeah. uh, Kareem Hunt entered that game on Sunday with a groin injury. There were some questions very late in the week if he was even going to play on Sunday, and he still didn't have his usual role 
uh, even with Chubb leaving that game. I expect that to change. I do think the matchups the next couple of weeks are pretty tough for this Browns offense. They've got the Colts on tap here in Week 5. They've got the Steelers in Pittsburgh in Week 6. So two very good defenses that could just make it less of a less of a productive tree for this offense, mm-hmm. right? It might be Hunt and Beckham as the only two Browns that you can reasonably play in those matchups because those don't shape up to be shootouts and efficiency for this offense uh, might be a problem for these next couple games. I think the other thing to keep in mind when you are bidding on Dearness Johnson is the fact that, yeah, 13 carries, 95 yards, that looks really good. It almost looks like he is a one-for-one replacement for Nick Chubb, not talent-wise, but perhaps role-wise. But remember how many of those carries came when the Browns seemed to have the game against the Cowboys well in hand. That was a game they were leading 41-14 to through three quarters. They were just trying to run the clock out for a huge portion of both the third and fourth quarters, and that's when Dearness Johnson did a lot of his damage. Of course, they didn't want to put any more on Kareem Hunt than they had to, especially when they were leading that game by 27 points, and that is when Johnson did a big part of his damage. I think he should be rostered because of the fact that a Kareem Hunt injury happens and suddenly he is the number one guy in inheriting a big role on a run-first offense, but I don't think we should look at the 13 for 95 he put up last week and say, oh, well, he's just going to have the chub roll and Hunt's still going to do what Kareem Hunt does, and that's going to be that. I think you need to be careful with it. I agree with you. Not my first choice on waivers. He would be my second, maybe even my third choice on waivers, but my first choice on waivers, that is with our next guy, Austin Eckler, and what he leaves behind because he is also hitting IR with a hamstring injury. Sounds like his could be serious enough to end his season. Certainly could end his fantasy season, right? Typical fantasy regular season gives you 13 weeks. Here we are going into week five, so if he misses eight, nine weeks, that's the end of the fantasy regular season for Austin Eckler. Uh, We do not know exactly how long he is going to be out just yet, but again, it does look like a pretty bad hamstring injury for the Chargers starting running back. We already know the deal with Joshua Kelly. We talked about this one quite a bit on Monday's show. Uh, Probably going to be in that RB2 range pretty safely all season uh, with the uh, expectation or with the possibility, not the expectation, but a ceiling to play like an RB1. I think Justin Jackson could be pretty interesting, Derek, and we talked about him on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast on Monday, and he does seem like the guy who could step in to an Austin Eckler role, right? Just last year, we had Melville Gordon and Austin Eckler the year before that. Those two guys were very successful alongside one another, and now it could be the exact same offense, the exact same roles in the in the backfield with Joshua Kelly playing the role of Melvin Gordon and Justin Jackson playing the role of Austin Eckler. I think that's possible. I, I'm not convinced that Justin Jackson is necessarily a better pass catcher than Joshua Kelly, though. I, I think Kelly might take a decent amount of the passing down work here, too. I think what gives Justin Jackson more appeal than most of the alternatives on the wire this week is the fact that Eckler's injury is a season-ending one. So he's the number two right now, but the returning number one's not coming back this season. Right. So... He's not going to fall back to third on the depth chart unless they bring in somebody else and he has some major issues with fumbles or, or something else that causes him to lose his grip on that number two job. Um, I, I think he's fine. I mean, I, I, if I said 5 to 8% for kind of an aggressive uh, Dearness Johnson sort of bid, I'm looking at maybe 10 to 12% for Justin Jackson if I'm a needy at running back, and I don't think that's necessarily where I'm going to go in most of my leagues because fortunately I'm not needy at running back right now. 
Yeah, I will say that even though I like Justin Jackson better, and I think that he definitely should be rostered, I think Dearness Johnson should be rostered, I'm not going crazy for either of these guys. I'm going to put some claims in on them over the next 24 hours. I'd be willing to bet right now that I don't end up with either of them. I just think that just because they're the best guys on waivers this week doesn't mean they're going to be anywhere near the best guys on waivers over the next three or four weeks. And just because someone holds that one number one spot for a given week doesn't mean you need to go crazy for him, right? Not every number one waiver player for a week is created equally. And so keep that in mind. Just because they are the best guys who are available now doesn't mean you have to go crazy for him. This is not Mike Davis 2.0. Both of these guys have big questions surrounding their roles, their workload, their ability to fill those roles and make the most of those workloads. So keep that in mind when you are making your waiver claims over the next couple of days. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Derek, let's look at one more running back situation here. It is in New England. Seems like we talk about this backfield once a week, every week, and here we are doing that right off the bat on Tuesday. Sony Michelle going to IR with a quad injury, coinciding with the return of Damian, Damian Harris, excuse me, missed the team's first four games of the season because of a finger injury. Do you think there's any room in this backfield for Damian Harris to get a foothold? It's possible. I mean, I think the tricky thing is, we just don't know how much Rex Burkhead's going to carry the ball. He can catch passes. We know James White can catch passes. The best-case scenario for Damian Harris with White and Burkhead healthy seems to be the role vacated by Sony Michelle. The more likely scenario is something a bit less because Burkhead, I think, is probably the better player of the two, at least at this point. He's more familiar with the offense. That carries a lot of weight in New England. Uh, so I'm tempering expectations for Harris, even though the door is open slightly for him to start making an impact. Another guy who I think should be rostered, but it just, you know, it, it, with the way this New England backfield works and James White having his role, Rex Burkhead being a reliable guy who they kind of, who they trust to both catch the ball and run the ball, it just feels like Damian Harris is going to have a good week or two, but you're never going to feel good about having him in your lineup absent another injury to someone like Rex Burkhead or James White. So I think that's where he sits. Mike Evans had an ankle injury that he played through on Sunday and played very well through on Sunday. He's going to get an evaluation on that on Monday and Tuesday. And our own Greg Allman, our Buccaneers beat reporter, reporting on Monday that we expect to have more full information on where Mike Evans stands on Tuesday. Remember, Thursday night football, Buccaneers and Bears. So a quick turnaround for all those Buccaneers, all those injuries on that team. Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin, of course, Missed the week four game with the Chargers. Mike Evans trying to get healthy before the team takes on the Bears in Chicago in week five. And one more thing to get through here really quickly. Tua Tagovailoa, it seems that his time might be coming right now. Brian Flores uh, saying that he assumes 
Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the team starter in week five, but right, it just feels like a matter of time before Tua Tagovailoa takes over as the starter. Will that change your outlook for the Dolphins' skill players once Tua is the man? I think there's going to be a higher ceiling, but maybe a lower floor, even with as erratic as Fitz's play can be. Yeah, I think you you nailed it. And I was a little concerned when everyone loved the matchup that Ryan Fitzpatrick had going up against Seattle in week four. I said, if he's not playing well, they are nearing the time where two is going to take over. So I fully expect this to be the kind of thing where they probably go into a week planning on it unless Fitz goes out and is just awful after getting a start. I mean, I think it makes more sense to just plan for Tua. Let him know he's going to be the guy. Don't don't just put him in after a couple bad series from Fitz, Fitzpatrick and, and see how things play out from there. But I'm right there with you. I think it, it brings the ceiling up. It makes those guys more interesting, but it does make them more risky in the short term especially. I feel like that's how they'll eventually do it too. Like right, like Fitz is such a veteran and such a pro that he could almost be like a, like a pitcher uh, who's given up you know six runs in the first inning, and it's like well you're just going to have to wear it here because we can't go to the bullpen just yet. So you're going to have to uh, pitch out another couple of innings here, right? Like Fitz, if he has a, a bad first half, they can still throw him back out there for the second half. They don't need to throw Tua in there like that. I agree. I would like to see Tua get a full week of practice with the first team before he actually got onto an NFL field. But sooner or later, Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the starter in Miami. And the fact that this discussion is now begun tells us that it probably is more sooner rather than later. That is going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can still get yourself a subscription for $1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to do so. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.